Good morning, church. I hope you're doing well. Of course, if you're a tech fan, cowboy fan, it's been tough this past weekend, right? <laughs> but God is still good, and He's still working our lives. He still loves us, and man, we still have so many good things to be happy for and thankful for, especially waking up today. And so I pray that you have woken up in good spirits, that you're ready for another week, and that you see God move amazingly this week. And um, I know as much as we love to celebrate things, right, especially the win of our favorite team or just things in, in general in life, especially Mexicans. Mexicans find any reason to have a good time, to have a celebration, right? <laughs> but what God was really putting on my heart as I was reading this past week was the importance of the things that happened before the celebration. And so today we'll be talking about that, and you'll see what I mean. Uh, today's message is called Before the Celebration. And I pray that, man, it would just speak to you today, um, that it would really, man, uplift you no matter where you're at and what's going on in your life today. And, man, that you would walk away from this just excited for the things that are to come and, and just know that, man, there's a great celebration still to come, um, not only here on earth for the things that you're going through, but one after this place for all of us. Amen. So let me pray for us, and then we'll jump into the Word in John chapter 12. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you uh, for being a God who bends down and listens to us and, and bends your ear, Father, and, and listens to our heart, listens to our pain, listens to the things that we are enduring. And Father, I pray that um, we wouldn't spend time just um, pouring out all these things to you, even, even though I want to make sure that we always do that. I pray that we spend just as much time listening to you and allowing you to speak to us. And so uh, I just ask that you would come right now and speak to us, that our, our, our hearts and our ears and our minds will all be open, um, that we would have clear sight of things that you want to make us aware of, and that your Holy Spirit would just, man, just empower us to press through and allow your will to be done in our lives. And so, Father, um, just have your way in this time. And just continue to have your hand in our life and lead us. And we just love you. And we're grateful for all that you allow us to be a part of. And pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Alright. John chapter 12. Starting at verse 1. And we'll be going all the way to verse 11. Of course, I'll have it on the screen for you. Uh, but John chapter 12. Let's go. So it says, Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with them. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance, but Judas Iscariot, the disciple who soon betrayed him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some from himself. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him, and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. For it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. Alright, so we see it's six days before the Passover celebration. 
Um, before this chapter, uh, Jesus had actually raised Lazarus from the dead. And that's when the religious leaders said, man, that's it. We got to take this dude out. And so the Passover celebration ended up becoming the last one that Jesus was a part of physically because uh, he ended up getting crucified at that time. And so we pick up six days before it. And so the first thing I want us to see is preparation matters. Preparation matters. In verse 1, we read six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. So the celebration hasn't happened yet, and it tells us six days right ahead of time. And I, I just think about, man, how many times you could read something and it, it relates back to something else in, in the Word and how thoughtful God is and the things that He says. Uh, because if you know the Word in Genesis 1 and 2, there were six days that some things happened. God created the earth, right? And the heavens. And then it said on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested. And when you think about a celebration, it's really a time to unwind. It's a time to relax. It's a time to really soak up all the fruits of your labor, right? And so without the preparation, there is no celebration. Meaning that we all have a work to do preparing us for celebrations that we go through in life, but also the eternal celebration of us joining Jesus in heaven. And so we have a work to do. Um, but I want to let you know that it's not all on you. Because we also read that it said Jesus arrived. So even though we have work for us to do, we're not doing it alone. In fact, Jesus is there with us. And we also read that he said that he was at the home of Lazarus, meaning that there were others there. So Jesus has a part. Other people have a part, and we have a part. And I don't know about you, but that's comforting to know that it's not all dependent on me. That yes, I play a role, um, and, and my role is vital as just the next person. But at the end of the day, it's equal. Even though it may look different, and it, it may seem like you know you may take on more uh, at one time. But the truth is, we all have a part, and it's not all on you. Because I'm like, man, I, can, I couldn't do everything if it had to be on me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we continue to read. Verse 2, it says, A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with them. So we see it again, right? Preparation. A dinner was prepared. And then we see that there was help. It said Martha served. And we knew that there was other people there because it said Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Um, but one thing that I want to make sure that you don't miss is who's the celebration for? Even when there's things in life that we're able to see God work through and we're able to celebrate, at the end of the day, the person who should always get the honor, should always get the glory, should always get the praise, is Jesus, right? They were preparing a meal to honor Him. And even at the end of our life, and when we make it to heaven, what are we doing? We're worshiping Jesus and God, and we're celebrating in there. And so I just think that's something key to always remember that, you know, celebration is not about us, uh, but it's about Him. It's about Jesus. Amen? Continue to read verse 3. It said, Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nar, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with fragrance. So in the time of preparation and your time of work, um, man, sometimes God's going to ask you some specific things, and sometimes they're going to be things that are sacrificial. He's going to ask you to have to let go of something. He's going to have to tell you, Hey, man, I'm going to need this from you. And I can only imagine what Mary was thinking when, when Jesus and, and God put it on her heart that, hey, man, I'm going to need that expensive perfume. You're like, man, are you sure? Like, 
We read the value of it, right? It said it was a year's worth of wages. Uh, but one thing I think we should always uh, remember, no matter what God is asking us to depart from, right, to, to give to Him, to let go of, is it never can compare to the value of who we belong to. Amen? There's no comparison to that, right? We understand that even though it's something we're having to give up, what we gain in return through Jesus is so much more valuable. And so willingly, we should be like, okay, this is what you want, sure. I'm not saying that it's always easy, but I'm saying that it's always worth it. And the other thing we see from this also is it said that after she anointed his feet, um, that she used her hair to wipe his feet. And so sometimes, not only is God going to ask you to do something um, that's a sacrifice that's hard, but he might ask you to do something that's going to make you feel crazy. It's going to make you look crazy to other people. And so we have to come with that mind frame like, okay, there's people are probably going to talk about what God's telling me to do, uh, but I can't let that affect me. I, I can only think about how Mary felt. For one, she was a woman, and women back then got treated really ugly, really nasty. And for her to anoint Jesus' feet would have caused an uproar. But then for her to use her hair and wipe his feet, oh man, I'm, you know, it's surprising that she didn't get drugged and, and killed because of it. Um, but what I, I really want us to, to take from her is that she had a willingness to be obedient, to do whatever was asked of her. And so really that's a demonstration for us of uh, what we should be like, how we should be selfless, of how we should be humble. Um, like I said, no matter what he's asking of us, we have to remember, man, it doesn't compare to what we receive through him. And even though we may feel like, man, this doesn't make sense or this is kind of weird, there's purpose to the madness. Okay, for us, it's, it's, it doesn't, it's, it's kind of crazy, but to God, it all makes perfect sense and it's all for a, a bigger purpose than we realize in that moment. And so preparation matters, work matters, because there is no celebration if there is no preparation. So it matters. It leads to the celebration. Amen? All right. So preparation matters. Here's the next thing I, w I want us to really um, always remember. The enemy is a hater. The enemy is a hater. You're like, ooh, okay. I'm, I'm down with that. The enemy, man, he just really does not like God being glorified in our lives. And he's willing to do anything he can to make us question what we're doing, question what we're giving up. Just he always wants to put our minds with doubt because he knows if we know the truth, like if the word says, the truth will set you free, then the, the, he can't attack us those ways. And we see um, in verses 4 and 5, it says, But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who was soon betrayed him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages, and it should have been sold and the money given to the poor. And I want you to catch from this specifically is there may be people close around you, um, but they aren't for you. Mm, I know that's hard to hear, right? It might be in your family, it might be your friends, people you work with. I don't know the situation for you, um, but sometimes the people closest to you are actually that people that are against you. We see Judas. He was a person that ate with Jesus. He lived with Jesus. He did ministry with Jesus. And in fact, he was in charge of the money um, that the disciples used for lodging, for feeding, for giving out. Um, but the reality was he was in it for himself. And so not everyone with you is for you. And that's okay, okay? Because preparation matters, right? But so do they. And God, man, He doesn't waste anything. He's efficient with everything, okay? 
And Judas tried not to just stop Mary and have her question what he was doing, what she what she was doing. Um, but he wants to do the same thing to us. And the enemy's good at that, right? God would tell you plainly, hey, I want you to do this. And then next thing you know, here comes that snake. He starts whispering in your ears. Man, uh, what are you doing? Like, why are you going to go and do that? Are you sure that's what God told you to do? Man, you know if you hold on to that, you can actually use that to do something even better than what God's telling you right now. He's slick like that, okay? He knows how to talk a good game. Uh, but check this out, church. He isn't the game maker. In fact, he isn't even a participant. He's just a spectator, okay? He's just always watching. He ain't even in the game. Okay, so we have to treat him that way. We got to remember that he's a hater. He's the enemy. And then we see in verse six, it says, not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples money, he often stole for himself. Think about it. If they actually would have sold that perfume, who would have had the money from that sale? Judas. And what would he have done for that money? Well, we just saw that he took some for himself. And so that's how we know like the enemy does this too, man. He, it's as much as he wants to rob you of your purpose, rob you of those opportunities to join God in doing the work so he can stop and prevent God from being glorified in your life and being glorified in this world. And so for him, he's like, dang, this is an opportunity for me. And so he's always trying to take um, take stuff from you. He'll try to use others who have no interest in what you're doing to talk down on you. Uh, he'll try to influence others uh, to do the same thing and by harming you. Uh, he tries to take your sacrifice. He's trying to take your obedience so he could gain from himself, preventing God from being glorified in your life in that moment. Uh, but like that verse says, remember, he's a thief. So he's a liar. He's always looking to steal, kill, and destroy. He's a hater. He's not our creator. He's not even our administrator. He's just a hater. And Judas was a closet hater. You know, some of them people that like to hide and, you know, you don't know that they're actually hating on you. They could be close by you and you don't realize that they're actually against you. That's who Judas was. Um, and you know what? Sometimes there's people that are open with their hate, right? They're not in the closet hating on you. They're just out in the open about it, that they don't like you, that they're against you. And you're like, man, why is this person so hard against me? Well, I mean, you just know that. A lot of times the enemy's trying to do a work in that situation because he's trying to stop whatever God has already got called for you, that he's already spoke over you. And we see this verse 10 and 11. It says, then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. For it was because of him that many people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. And Lazarus was a bystander, right? He was there for the celebration. But it makes the enemy so mad to see God working on our life that he wants to discredit everything that God has already done. Mm. You see what I'm saying? He's trying to take out Lazarus. He wants to eliminate us from sharing our testimony of God's faithfulness. He wants to kill the story from being heard by others. Because what happens when we share our story? We saw Lazarus was a walking testimony of God's love and faithfulness. And people became believers because of Lazarus and his testimony. So, of course, the enemy doesn't like him. He's a hater. He's always uh, watching. He's a spectator. He's looking for ways that he could throw shade and stop those things from happening. Uh, but that's never going to happen, okay? Because he can't be, God can't be beat. So let's not help him and, and, and stop that word being shared. Because when you share your, your, your story, when you share the way that God is moving your life, when you share, man, just how much God loves you, 
you have no idea the impact that it's going to make on somebody else and how it's going to bring hope to a desperate situation. And so that's the thing, church. The preparation we put in matters. The enemy is a hater. And check this out. Jesus is our response. Jesus is our response. In verse 7 it said, Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. I love that. Jesus replied. See, before you even speak, Jesus is already defending you. Before you even have anything to say or even act in response, we see that Jesus is already putting the enemy in this place. Mm. See, and what God can do cannot be denied by the enemy. It has purpose. He's trying to rob us of that purpose. In the moment uh, when we're going through it, it won't always man, make sense. We won't always see the meaning. Uh, but think about how big it was for Mary, who didn't know uh, what she was actually doing in that moment. She just knew that she was supposed to be obedient, right? She didn't know the purpose and the intent behind it. But it was actually preparation for Jesus' death, is what Jesus said. And it's crazy, too, because Jesus' mom was what? Her name was Mary. And she gave birth to him, preparing him for this world. And then we see a woman who was dear to him, who was a friend, who he had man, strong feelings for, was the one who anointed him to prepare him for death. Mm. And the reason I bring this up, too, is because, like I was telling you earlier, man, sometimes women, man, get put in this in this light uh, that they could only be this way in a box, that God doesn't want to use them. And, sisters, I, I speak this to you because, man, never be afraid of what God wants to do through you. He has amazing, amazing plans for each one of you. And I know we live in a world and a culture where women are finally getting some, some justice, um, some equality, um, but it's still so far from what you actually deserve. And I think in the, even in the kingdom of God, um, sometimes men um, don't do the, the right thing about making sure that we lift you up as our equal, the way that you were intended to be one with us. And so I say that because we all have a purpose, right? We all have things that God has spoke over us. And I think a lot of times we can allow society, we can allow things uh, that we've gone through um, to really hinder us and try to rob us of that purpose just the same way as the enemy. Um, but check this out, man. Like We are in control of our own life, of our decision makings. And if God speaks something to us, and if we accept it, if we believe it, then we can see it come true. And it doesn't matter if you're a woman or a guy. Uh, all that matters is, is our relationship with Jesus and our obedience to Him. Because Jesus is our response. Okay, but continuing on, verse 8, it says this, You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And I don't want you to miss this because it's important. A lot of times the enemy will try to point these things out and be loud, right? He wants to be a distraction. Oh, well, does Jesus care about the poor? Well, of course he does. Whoa, he don't want to use this money to go and feed them? Well, that's not to say that he's not saying not to help them. What he is saying at this moment is, is something that we all need to hear clearly. It's this. What we can do for others, even what we can do for ourselves, should never take priority over what we should do for Jesus. Mm. You hear that? Jesus always has to come first in the equation. That What he's asking, that's what's most important. I know last week I gave a, a message, right? It was called Important Things. And I talked about how there's always going to be good things available. 
um, for you to, to be adjoined in and to, to have opportunities. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, we're called to a higher calling, okay? We have a, a higher response um, to do what's great, not just what's good. And the only way that we figure that out is by spending time with Jesus, right? And discovering what's most important to Him so we can do great things instead of just good things. Make sense? I hope so. So Jesus is our response in all of these situations, no matter what we're going through, whether it's, it's somebody trying to talk down against us, the enemies, you know, he's bringing out those haters in the closet or open haters. Man, Jesus is our response. We'll let him take care of that. We'll let him do the talking for us. Whether it's, man, People saying, man, you shouldn't be doing that. They're trying to make us doubt what God is asking of us, the work that we're putting in, the preparation that we're doing. Jesus is our response. We say, you know what, that's cool, man, but this is what God told me I need to be doing. So that's what's most important. Even though what you're saying is good, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, at the end of the day, the most valuable thing that I can do for myself and for my loved ones is to be obedient to what's most important to Jesus. Amen? So before the celebration, and so church, uh, the challenge for this week is very simple. It's keep preparing for the celebration. Like I said, we're going to have many celebrations here on earth um, where it's it's little wins, right? And, and sometimes they feel huge, but the real huge celebration that we all get to be a part of is our celebration in heaven. And that's the one that we're constantly preparing for. Uh, while we're here on earth. So, of course, we're going to keep doing the work, right? We're going to keep um, enjoying the celebrations when God allows us to join Him in that and lift His name up so He can get glorified. Um, but we're making sure that we don't let the haters, right? We don't let the enemy um, keep us from our purpose and robbing us of that. We don't let the closet haters, the open haters, we don't let none of that stop us from putting in the work that we know that God is asking of us and we're allowing Jesus to always be our response in all situations. And that's not to say it's always going to be easy, um, but that's saying that it's always going to be worth it. And so I don't know what it might look like for you um, this week and what he's asking you to do. Um, Man, but keep putting in the work, church. Keep putting in the work. Because one day, it's going to pay off, not only in heaven, um, but it's going to pay off while you're here on earth. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you, uh, man, that you are always preparing us for something that we don't even see coming, Lord. And so I just pray that we would always do our best to continue to do good work, um, even when it's hard, Lord. And that Jesus would be our response in every situation, that we would allow you to fight battles, um, that are beyond us and the times that you want to fight battles through us that we would be aware and we would reflect you and we would represent you in the right way um, but father don't allow the enemy and the haters uh, to distract us from what you are asking of us to make us question and fill us with doubts help us cling to your truth and be rooted in your word so we can stand and continue to bear fruit for your kingdom so, Father, we just thank you. And may you bless uh, every household and, and family that is here representing you. And may we see you do a mighty work this week. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, church. I love y'all. I pray this blessed you. Um, and this week, I got an encouraging word coming Wednesday. And I got some other things working. So, I love y'all. Got a prayer request, let me know. And I'll see you next time.